I'm going to tell you a story. Scott lives on Green Tree Drive. It's a quiet little street uh, with some kids that uh, love to ride their bikes and play with sidewalk chalk. It's kind of off the, the beaten path a little bit. and it's a, it's a neighborhood that Scott loves to be in. He likes to, to lead a quiet and straightforward kind of life. That's the way he likes things. But three years ago, things, were gonna, things changed in a big way. Three years ago, on a warm spring morning, you know, the flowers were starting to bloom and you could, you could smell the spring was coming. Tom and his family moved in two doors down from Scott. Now, Scott's the type of guy who likes to, to help people out and you know, do hands-on types of things, so he decided to, to go help them move in. So he introduced himself, and um, he, he would carry furniture and, and just have some conversation with the family. There was something about Tom that Scott noticed. He couldn't quite put his finger on it, but he sensed something about Tom that he really liked. Now, Scott discovered that uh, he and Tom had several interests that they liked together, one being cars. And so they would get together over the next several months and just hang out and work on a car that Tom was, was fixing up. And so it was during these times that they got to know each other. And it was here that Scott put his finger on the thing that he sensed initially. Tom was a Christian. Now, Scott, he didn't grow up in a family that went to church. They didn't really talk about faith, so he didn't really have much experience with faith. But as he spent time with Tom, he, he learned more about what Tom's faith looked like, uh, some of the things that he did, why, why Jesus was important to him. And it was, it was over time that Scott began to ask some questions. He started to take a little bit of an interest in what Tom's faith meant to him. And they got deeper and deeper. And Tom was really inviting. He was real. He didn't always have all the answers, but you know, Scott appreciated that he, he was authentic with him. So hour, after hours of conversation around that car, getting their hands greasy and oily, Scott decided, you know what, I want to check out this Jesus thing. So he went to church with Tom and his family. And, and that was the last Sunday that Scott wasn't at church. That next Sunday, Scott brought his wife and his kids, and over the next several months, Scott started to learn more, to really see more and more about who Jesus is. And so finally, one day, Scott decided, you know, I want to I become a Jesus follower. And so he was baptized, he and his wife, by Tom and the pastor, and it, it was a great day. And so after this, this morning, Scott goes to Tom and said, you know, What's next? Tom said, well, you know, there's some things for you to learn and, and experience, but one thing you can start doing now is share your faith with people. You know, you've, you've got hope that people are looking for. Go ahead and share it. Now, Scott was like, yeah, I'm really excited right now. I, I want to share this with people. That's exactly what I want to do. And, and the first person Scott thought of was his brother Ryan. Now, Ryan and Scott, they grew up, they, they had a good relationship. Uh, growing up, they, they would wrestle around and beat each other up quite a bit, but they would always come out brothers, you know, one's arm around the other or something like that. Now, now Ryan, uh, he lived two towns away, so they didn't see each other all that often, but they would try to get together every few weeks for a game, you know, or, or a meal or something like that. And so Scott had been sharing, you know, some of the things that he'd been learning from Tom and, and seeing uh, in, in his conversations with him. But he decided, you know what, I'm going to tell him everything now. 
And so Scott called Ryan and said, hey, I'd love to get together for coffee this week. Will you meet me? Oh, yeah, sure. So that day, Scott goes to the coffee shop. He's so excited. It's, he's like he you know, had a double shot of espresso twice. And he's like, man, maybe it wasn't a good idea for me to come to a coffee shop. But anyway, he, he orders something, and he just kind of lets it sit in front of him while he waits. And finally, Ryan shows up, orders, and sits down. They have some chit-chat and catch up a little bit, and it culminates after five minutes of how Mom had given them both the same speech about how they hadn't seen her enough. They could almost recite it word for word to each other. But then there was a pause in the conversation. And so Scott decided to start sharing his story. He talked about how Tom had, had shared with him things about you know, things that he experienced with Jesus and, and the times that they shared around that car. And, and Ryan listened quietly to the stories that he started to share. But when Scott started to talk about some of the ideas that he had been learning, some of the things he'd been wrestling with, Ryan hit the emergency brake. Here we go. You've been brainwashed by these nut jobs, haven't you? Scott's kind of like, well, no, I'm just trying to share you know, what, what I've learned, what I've experienced. And he's like, no, you're not. You're just, you've got an agenda. That's all they have is agendas. You want me to join up to give my money? You want me to let you run my life? It's all about power and money. For the next five minutes, Ryan just threw everything he had at Scott about how Christians... Christ followers were just ruining people's lives, and he wants no part of that. Scott was stunned. Yeah, he didn't really expect this. I mean, he tried to muster up some energy and, and defend himself, and that initial shock eventually became frustration. And even as he was talking around, he could feel that frustration coming out. They parted ways, amicably at least, but over the next several days, that conversation just bugged Scott. He couldn't understand what happened. He's like, what went wrong? I, I don't get it. I'm just, I'm really frustrated. Well, over time, you know, the frustration kind of wore off and his excitement came back. And one day while he was at work, he was having lunch with some coworkers at the break room and they were just talking about some stuff and someone took the empty chair next to Scott. Now, Linda, she had been with the company for six years and she was a project manager. And she was the type of person that could really get things done she had a really insightful mind, was really brilliant about handling you know, difficult administrative tasks. She had a quiet confidence about her, and it really brought out the best in people. Everyone, everyone liked Linda. The, the table was having just some various conversations and you know, talking about nothing, pretty much. And then Linda brought up Scott's baptism. It's like, oh, hey, I heard you were baptized. And Scott kind of was, wow, I have an opportunity. And so he started to tell the story and tell about how Tom had been important to him and some of the conversations that they had had. And by this time, the rest of the table, you know, some of the, the other people were still listening, but most of them had gone to their own conversations. And, and so Linda was still listening. She was listening quietly, um, would ask a few questions here or there. And so finally, Scott got to the point where he, he offered her an invitation. So I'd, I'd love to tell you more about this my wife and I, we'd love to have you over for dinner. Would you be up for that? Linda replies, oh, thanks for telling me that story. I, I appreciate it, but that's really great for you. I'm not really interested in stuff like that. Scott was kind of surprised. I mean, it's meant a lot to me, and it's, and it's really important for people to, to think through these types of things. And she's like, well, I'm sure it is for you. 
but I'm doing fine without it. You keep doing it if you want to. Scott left the conversation a bit puzzled. Linda had brought up the conversation. She had brought up his baptism, and he, he tried not to be overbearing. He tried to be inviting, uh, but he was met with indifference. In some ways, this conversation was more difficult than the one he had with Ryan, and he just—he was frustrated. He didn't understand what happened. And so, late one afternoon, Tom was outside working in the yard, and Scott came over and he expressed the frustration and the discouragement that he was feeling. How do you do it so well? Scott asked him. I've tried to have conversations with people, and I've tried to be open and inviting, but they don't really want to talk. Why, why is this so hard? Tom asked calmly, well, tell me what happened. Scott told him about the conversations he had had with some of the people and uh, how they'd gone really very differently, but ended at the same place, ended with the same conclusion. Scott frustrated and no interest shown. Why did it work so well for you? I mean, I never felt pressured or coerced, and I just felt like you were sharing about your life and about what Jesus means to you. I don't understand what what went wrong. Well, it sounds like you did the right thing, Tom affirmed. Then why didn't it work? What happened? Scott felt the weight of the world on his shoulders. He felt frustrated. He felt like he'd failed. Why didn't it work? Can you relate? Have you experienced what Scott experienced? Have you maybe avoided experiences like that because you know that's exactly what would happen for you? Can you relate? I know I can. In high school, um, I had this t-shirt that I got from an FCA camp, and on the back it said, uh, God is my daddy. Uh, I liked the shirt, it was real bright and everything, but uh, one day I was wearing it, and I was walking uh, through the, the lunchroom, and all of a sudden behind me I heard, hey! I turned around, and there was a student there. And what followed was a very lewd comment that I really can't share in church. I, I was kind of surprised, I was kind of stunned. I didn't really know what to say, and you know, finally I fumbled something out like, uh, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way, and I walked away. I felt that antagonism before. More recently, I, uh, I met a neighbor, and uh, we, we were just chit-chatting for a few minutes and, you know, kind of covering the bases. Well, then all of a sudden, I kind of sensed the what-do-you-do-for-a-living question. And I was like, oh, no, here it comes. Now, you know, being a pastor, it's kind of hit or miss what's going to happen next. So I, I skirted around it. I kind of changed the direction of the conversation. Because within the, the first 30 seconds, I kind of sized him up. I said, oh, man, this guy... He's not going to be all that interested in the gospel. And so I, I avoided it. I, I went a different direction. I, I, didn't, I didn't bring up the fact that I was a pastor because I didn't, I didn't want to feel uncomfortable. I didn't want him to feel uncomfortable. So I avoided it. But I don't, I don't think that's what God wanted me to do in that moment. I look back and I'm like, man, that's, that's not the way I should have handled it. Can you relate? We see from these stories, from Scott's story, and, and maybe you even see it in your own story, things don't always go well 
Things don't always go the way we expect them when we're, when we're sharing the faith, when we're you know, making disciples. People don't respond the way we expect them to. It's frustrating when it doesn't work. We feel like we fail. We feel like we failed God. We feel like we failed that person. We didn't do our job. Well, what if our job isn't what we think it is? What if our job isn't what we think it is? When we're frustrated, when we fail, and we didn't do our job, what if our job isn't what we think it is? Let's explore this by turning to Luke chapter 8. If you brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke. If you think of the whole Bible, we've got the Old Testament, the New Testament. The New Testament's the back third of the Bible. And then Luke is the third book in, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, you can actually find a Bible in the seat rack in front of you. It looks like this. If you go ahead and open that up to Luke chapter 8, and the page number for that is 722. 722. So we are in a series called Disciple Makers. You can see on our banners here. We're, we're exploring a question. We're exploring what it looks like to be a disciple maker. And so we pose this question to ourselves, and if you're following along in the message notes, we're asking, are we becoming disciples who make disciples? Are we becoming disciples who make disciples? Disciples. That's, that's the question we're exploring together and looking at different facets of, of making disciples, of sharing the faith, of helping people to grow. And so we, we, come, we come to today and we're exploring what happens when things don't go the way we expect them to, when things don't work. Jesus actually knows what this is like. And so we're going to look at a moment in his ministry and, and hear a parable that he teaches to, to talk about this. So, Luke chapter 8, we're going to begin at verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And then Luke makes mention of the fact that the twelve were with him, some women were joining them, and makes, makes mention of who they are, and that they were providing for Jesus' ministry out of their means, which is kind of cool. Luke highlights sometimes people we wouldn't expect doing things like that. So pick it up in verse 4. While a large, large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told them this parable. A farmer went out to sow some seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he had said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So what we see here is Jesus has been traveling around. He's been proclaiming the message of the kingdom. He's been proclaiming the gospel to people. And one particular moment, this crowd starts to form, and he teaches this parable. 
Now, maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe you're not. That, that's okay. But he, he's, he sees something happen, and, and he knows something about the crowd that's forming, and then he tells this parable. And then he kind of makes a weird reference to having ears and hearing. I mean, I've got ears. I can hear, but I don't always understand what he's saying. Well, let's keep reading to see what happens next. So in verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe or be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who hear the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with noble and good hearts, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So it's interesting. He tells this parable, and then the disciples come and ask, what what does it mean? And so he tells them. And I think it's interesting that Jesus caught something that maybe sometimes we, we, we can miss. But I think our stories that we've told so far kind of illustrate this. There are a variety of responses to the gospel. That's that's why Jesus told this parable. He knew that the crowd that was forming, there were going to be a variety of different people in there that would hear it in different ways. And he sees their hearts. He knows what they're thinking, and so he tells the parable. There are a variety of responses to the gospel. This is true for us, right? We see that in our stories, in the stories that we've told. So if you're following along in the notes, there are a variety of responses to the gospel. Now when Jesus tells a parable, there's usually some sort of challenge or edge, something that he wants people to get. And and I think ultimately it comes down in verse 18 when he says, therefore consider carefully how you listen. He wants people to pay attention to how they hear his message, to how they hear what he has to say. And so he wants them to be careful how they listen. And so he talks about these different soils and seed that's growing in different ways, and he ultimately gets to the good soil, which is like, yeah, that's that's it. That's what we want to be. And all of this, again, is a picture for what's happening with Jesus' ministry right then. The crowd that's forming, there's a variety of people in there that are going to respond differently. And the good soil... I think is represented by the disciples. I think the disciples are the ones who play out the good soil portion of the story. And so what makes them a good soil? I think it's because they come to Jesus for the understanding. So go back to to verse 8 in this reference here. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let them hear. And the disciples asked him, what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that 
Though seeing, they may not see. And though hearing, they may not hear. You see, what Jesus is doing is he's inviting people to come to him for understanding. He tells things in parables. He, he conceals truth just a little bit to invite the real seekers, the people who really want to know, to come to him. Lots of people were coming to Jesus for a show. They wanted to hear this new guy. They wanted to see a miracle. But they weren't really all that interested in Jesus. They wanted to hear the good things he had to say. But they weren't interested in Jesus. But it's the disciples who come to Jesus when he gives this somewhat mysterious story. And they seek him for the answer. That's what a good soil person does. Jesus tells parables to invite people to seek more understanding with him. So, if you're following along in the notes, good soil people seek Jesus for understanding. Good soil people seek out Jesus for understanding. That's why he wants people to pay attention to how they hear. He tells a parable to invite people to a relationship with him. So, maybe you're here today, and you're not really sure about what you think about Jesus. You know, who he is, what he did. You're not, you're not sure about all that. Ah, that's great. We're so glad you're here. I think what Jesus is saying right here is he's inviting you to ask your questions. He's inviting you to come and say, you know, all right, Jesus, I don't get this. Tell me more. I don't know if I believe you about this, Jesus. Tell me more. Jesus is inviting us to hear what he has to say. He's inviting us to a deeper understanding with him. So maybe that's where you are. Maybe that's what Jesus is saying to you today. Now, for others of us, maybe we're still wrestling with, all right, what does this have to do with sharing the faith? What does this have to do with disciple-making? Well, I, I think when we look at the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, it's going to be up here on the screen, we see something that Jesus is doing for us, and, and he's giving us a job. And so here, here are these words, and we come back around to this over and over again. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we're, we're going to come back around to this verse over and over again in the series. But what we see here is Jesus giving us a charge. Go and make disciples. Baptize them and teach them. Make disciples. So here, Jesus is basically telling us to do what he did. He's giving us the charge now to go and make disciples, which is exactly what he was doing in his ministry. And so in the parable, Jesus is the sower. He's the one that's been spreading the message of the gospel. Well, now we're the sower. We play the role of the sower in the parable. And so if we go back to verse 1, we see Jesus is proclaiming the message. That's what our job is. Yet Jesus did this knowing that there were a variety of responses to the gospel. Knowing that some people would hear, but not really hear. They wouldn't really take an interest in what he had to say. 
Not everyone believed when Jesus shared. So I think here's the idea that's going to be really helpful for us. Our job is not to change people. It is to share. If you're following along in the notes, our job is not to change people. It's to share. So let's unpack that for a minute. When Jesus was about ready to leave earth, he was spending time with his disciples and he was telling them all this stuff. And then in John 15, we get this this little statement. And Jesus is telling us about what's going to happen next. When the advocate comes, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. We see here what's going to happen when Jesus leaves is he's going to send the Spirit, and he's going to testify. It's the Spirit who is working in people's lives. It's the Spirit who changes people's hearts. It's the Spirit who convicts of sin and, and reveals righteousness. Now, Jesus even told us we're to testify, but given the order, the primary importance is to the Spirit. He is the one who is the primary agent in changing people. So then how do we understand ourselves in all of this? Well, I think Romans 10, it's a great chapter. Romans 10 gives us a picture of some of the things that we're supposed to do. So if we look here at Romans 10, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one who they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Here's our role. We're called to share. We're called to preach because we're sent. The Lord is the one who sends us. He is the one that moves us to action. He is the one that's the primary agent and making change happen, we're called to share. We're called to share the faith. That's our job. And you can even see this in Acts 1.8. It says, the Spirit will come on you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Spirit will come on you, and you will be my witnesses. The Spirit is the one who is at work. He is the one that is moving to change people's hearts. We're called to share. So that's, that's kind of an idea that I think we can build upon. Our job is not to change people. Our job is to share. So I think right now we can all breathe a sigh of relief, right? Oh, man, those moments when we're frustrated, when we're discouraged, when we're defeated we can remember that the Spirit is the one who changes people's hearts. The Spirit is the one who moves in people's lives. We are called to share. That's our job. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. If that's, if that's how it's going to go, then why do I have to try? I mean, do I have to do any of the hard work? If I'm just supposed to share, let the Spirit do everything, right? Well, I, I think that's not exactly what we're called to do. I think... 2 Corinthians 5 gives us a little bit of a picture that can help us understand. Paul's been been giving us great um, 
discussion about how great the gospel is. He says, you know, the old is gone, the new is come, we're new creations. And we have the ministry of reconciliation. We're called to share. And so then he makes this statement. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, right here, we're his representatives. We're his ambassadors in this world. And we've experienced the ministry of reconciliation. We've experienced what God has done in our lives. And so then he says, make your appeal. Go ahead and share the gospel. And it's God who's working through us. That's just it. He's working through us. So our relationship in all of this, how we understand what's happening, is we are the Spirit's instruments. We're his messengers. We're his servants. He is using us to change people's lives. But remember, it's not our job to change people. He's going to use us to share. That's our role. So, we've got that there are a variety of responses to the gospel. There are a variety of different ways that people are going to hear it. Our job is not to change them. Our job is not to make them believe. But our job is to share. And we share actively. We share in a, in a deep way. We're, we're not just sitting on the sidelines passively sharing. No, we're, we're seeking it out. There's this active participation that God uses us for. So what does this look like? If we're to share, what does that look like? Well, I think, I think here's the idea that we can walk with. Here's the takeaway. And if you're following along in the notes... We're to share the faith consistently and persistently. Share the faith consistently and persistently. This is, what, this is what it looks like. And so let's unpack this together. Let's first take consistently. I think what this means is we're not to limit our sharing with people. So if you're following along in the notes, here's, here's a definition that might be helpful. Consistently is sharing with those the Spirit leads to us, not those we think will believe. It's sharing with those that the Spirit leads us to, not just those we think will believe. My story is, I think, a picture of this with my neighbor. I met him, but I I didn't want to tell him about the gospel. I kind of decided in my own mind I wasn't going to share. But we see in the ministry of Jesus and we see in the parable, the sower is scattering seed all over different types of soil. He's scattering his seed over everything. That's what Jesus did. He went around town to town proclaiming the gospel. Now, granted, he might have spent more time with those who seemed to receive it well. You know, he's like spending time with those. Tell me more. Yeah. But he, he shared widely. He didn't limit who he was going to share with. I I think the reason is because we don't know what type of soil a person is going to be. It was not my place to decide my neighbor wasn't ready for the gospel. That's the Spirit's job. The Spirit is the one who changes people. My job is to share. Now, there may be times when the Spirit doesn't lead you to to share with someone. That's okay. But our job is not to decide that. We're to share consistently across all different types of soils, all different types of people not just the ones we think are going to receive it. So we share consistently. 
Now, persistently, what does this look like? So if you're following along in the notes, persistently means not giving up in the face of difficulty. It means not giving up in the face of difficulty. We share persistently because, again, we don't know what types of soil people are going to be. We don't know where they are in their walk. Maybe the Spirit's doing something big. But I think it's also because it takes time to grow. It takes time for people to move to understanding about Jesus. So I think we're called to share persistently. We don't give up when things get hard. We don't give up when, oh, well, they're not going to take. I think we persevere. I think we persist in sharing. Now, now don't hear me saying we should be beating people over the head with the Bible and saying, believe, 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 until they do. I I don't think that's exactly what we're, we're called to do. I think we're called to not give up when things get tough. And I think this might mean that there are times when we over and over again do a repeated action. We, we keep sharing, we keep sharing the same way until it does start to take. That might, be, that might be the answer. There might be something that changes over time. Maybe you share one way and then share another way. Maybe you live your life in a way that models Christ and then, then speak a word about the gospel, about how it's changed your life. Maybe it changes over time. That's possible too. Or maybe, a third way, maybe we just play a small piece in a larger puzzle that God's been doing in someone's life. And, and one way that might help this, help us understand this, you might have seen this, this image before. But here's a, a spectrum. And basically what we've got here is a picture of the life of someone who, who comes to know Jesus. And right in the middle... We'll call this the, the stage where they change, where they commit to following Christ. doesn't mean everything's perfect, just there, there's that fundamental shift in their openness to Jesus. Now down here, maybe this is someone who just wants nothing to do with Jesus, wants nothing to do with who he is, doesn't really take an interest at all. And then on the opposite, and we've got someone who's a mature believer, someone who's been doing this a long time, and, and really the fruit is being born. Maybe our role is to move someone from here to here. Maybe we're helping someone take that next step. We may not see it. We may not see what takes place, but we move them from here to here. That is a persistent sharing of the gospel because it's a big picture sense. God might put someone right here that's going to take them the next step and then the next step. Or maybe we're, we're somewhere here with someone. We're walking through a, a difficult challenge and we're helping them to grow. We're just taking a step. That's, that might be part of this. And, and, and here's, a, here's a quick little illustration to, to demonstrate that. Paul, the Apostle Paul, went to Corinth. And he shared the gospel and the church was established there. And then he left. And someone else came in. This guy by the name of Apollos. And so we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that Paul's talking about this dynamic. And, and in verse 6 he says, you know, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it. And then if we look down in verse 7, this is in the second grade box of your notes. I'd love for us to read this out loud together. So will you join me? It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. We see here that Paul and Apollos tag-teamed. Paul planted the seed and Apollos watered it. But God was the one who made things grow. 
So even here we see that God's the one who's changing people, but we play a role. So we share persistently. This is what we're called to do. We're called to share consistently and persistently. I'm going to give you three real quick things to maybe learn how to play this out in your own life. I think there are three things that we can do. One, so we can pray. We pray, Lord, will you help us understand who you want us to share with and help us to trust you in the way that we're supposed to. We, we pray. Number two, I think we trust. We trust that God is going to work, that he's going to be active, and we trust that he's going to lead us in the right way. And then third one, I think we seek. I think we seek for opportunities to share whatever that looks like. And I think the Spirit will honor our seeking. I think that's what it, that's what it looks like for us. And so I actually skipped a line in the message notes. So if you go to the second, to the last line, here, here's that line. We help people take a step on the journey. We help people take a step on the journey. And I think we can do that through those three, three ways. Pray, trust, and seek. This is our job. We are called to share the faith consistently and persistently. That's what we're called to do. There are a variety of responses. People are going to respond differently. Our job is not to change people. It's to share consistently and persistently. So I ask you this question, and this is the last line of the notes. Will I share the faith consistently and persistently? That's what I challenge for you to seek out. Seek out how the Lord might lead you to do that. Imagine what would happen if our church family were to do this. We're not going to see everyone come to faith, but I think what's going to happen is we're going to see movement on this spectrum. People's lives will be changed because of what the Spirit does through us. So I ask you, will, will we share the faith consistently and persistently? Right now we're going to enter in a time of, of prayer. And what I'd love for this time to be is a time where we really come before the Lord and say, Lord, lead me in this. Show me what it is you want me to do to, to share the faith consistently and persistently. Now, if you're here and you're still not sure about what you think about Jesus, that's great. We're so glad you're here. I encourage you maybe in this time to, to ask Jesus your questions. Maybe pray to him for the first time and say, Lord, I don't, I don't know what I think about all this. Help me to understand. Help me to, to know really who you are. Help me to understand what it is you're doing. Now for others of us, for maybe those of us that are ready to share, I'd like to do a couple of parts to this. And so what we're going to do is spend a few minutes in, in quiet prayer. I'm going to lead us through. And so the first part of this, I'd love for us to pray that we would follow the Spirit's leading. Pray that we would be open to what the Spirit wants us to do and who he might want us to share with. So let's go ahead and bow our heads. Take a moment to pray. Lord, lead me. Show me what it is you want me to do and who you might want me to do it with.
now take a moment thinking of the specific people that maybe the Lord brought to your mind. And think about different ways that maybe we're called to connect with them, to have opportunities to share. And now take some time and ask the Lord that he would help us to trust him, to give us courage to move. Lord, help us trust you. so grateful that you've chosen to use us. And we're grateful, Lord, that it's not on our shoulders to change people. But rather, we're called to share. Lord, thank you for taking the burden of that away from us and and joining us in the work that you're doing. Father, we pray right now, whoever it is in our lives that maybe you want us to share with, Lord, create opportunities for us. Show us how we're called to share. Lord, I pray that the rest of the series, as we explore a little bit more of the details of the how, and maybe even the who, Lord, that you would teach us specifically how you want us to connect with people. Lord, may we be a church family that goes out into the world and shares the faith faithfully that we are consistent and persistent in our sharing. Lord, thank you for using us. Thank you for being here with us and not leaving us on our own. But that we have you. We have you with us. Strengthen us, Lord. Go with us. We appreciate who you are, Lord, and how you are at work in our lives. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen. Just a reminder... Members of the prayer team are going to be forward down here. If you want to continue to pray about these opportunities or pray, where, pray about where you are. And I also remind you, for those of you that are interested, the, the, the visitor center is open and, and ready to, to have a chat with you. Go now to share the faith consistently and persistently. The Spirit is the one who is at work and he is helping us move. So to go now. Go in peace. Amen.